Thanks for tuning in for another edition of the Veries and Numerous podcast presented by Briar.io, a Briar.io production. Quick shout out here. I start every episode like this to our sponsors, as you can see them scrolling across as I read them off here. Special thanks to Thunder Games. Thunder Games creates games that integrate Bitcoin and process payments via the Lightning Network. They're, they're actually, uh, I'm having the uh, creator on the podcast for uh, next, uh, he's coming on Sunday, so it'll be out next week. They have various, di- uh, they have numerous different games and run their own node. If you wish to c- connect, their public key is available over at thndr.games forward slash about along with their Telegram and social media, Thunder Games are making mobile games which enable players to win Bitcoin for free using the Lightning Network to win prizes. Uh, Check them out, thndr.games today. The Bob Shop, the most diverse blockchain and crypto clothing store on the web. I love these guys, and I had to have a little chuckle. I ordered a... uh, I got actually. I ordered a shirt from them uh, the other day. Already here, cryptocurrency, the Bitcoin logo, a play on the uh, California uh, uh, deal. I, I think so. I really like what they have over there. Uh, check them out. They have all sorts of stuff. Uh, very diverse. Lots of different projects. Uh, check them out. BobCrypto.com. That's B-O-B-C-R-Y-P-T-O.co. VinxCoin. VinxCoin is the world's first decentralized fine French wine and vineyard-backed security token offering STO, where anyone can be a fine French wine and vineyard owner from the comfort of their own home. Vinx removes the high-cost barrier to entry to French wine and vineyard ownership markets. Check them out at VinxCoin.com. Trios. What is Trios? Trios is an economy and an ecosystem. Trios is a direct reference to decentralized money that will power a new economy. In the future, the term Trios will become synonymous with cryptocurrency and virtual as virtual financial assets (VFAs). Their payment methods, their ecosystem, and their general use as both a utility and a store of value. Check them out at Trios.io. Charon Coins. You found the brick and mortar financial institution where you can safely trade. Dollars for Bitcoin, USD to BTC, over the counter, and person to person. They facilitate transactions of all sizes, including high volume transactions. Their headquarters is located in Milwaukee, serving the MKE areas of Lakefront, Eastside, River West, and Waukesha County. More than just being an OTC location, they're here to educate you about Bitcoin wallets, blockchain, crypto, security, and platforms. If you're in the Milwaukee area, you can also check out their Bitcoin ATM with more to come soon. Visit charoncoins, that's C-H-A-R-O-N-C-O-I-N-S.com. Bitcoin, store value. Bitcoin SOV is an emerging community-driven project that is a decentralized team the world over. It is a proof-of-work mineable ERC-20 and has a deflationary design with token burns to ensure your value is stored over time. Check out their site at bsov.io. Lucho Paletti, a digital artist that did the Andy Warhol on my wall to buy Bitcoin uh, play there. Uh, he's a self-described propagandist known for his I- iconic Bitcoin artworks. Lucho's number one goal is to spread the message that Bitcoin is better money. Check out Lucho Paletti. That's L-U-C-H-O-P-O-L-E-T-T-I.com. 
And Flashcoin, lastly, is a reinvention of Litecoin built to scale for worldwide commerce and fast enough to handle everyday transactions. The flexible and easy to integrate core code allows exchanges and wallets to add Flash to their platform within hours. With a settlement time of five seconds and consensus within two minutes, anyone anywhere can use Flash Mobile Wallet as easy as cash or credit card. Visit Flashcoin, that's F-L-A-S-H-C-O-I-N dot I-O. And remember, nothing written or spoken on Briar.io is financial advice. Always D-Y-O-R, do your own research. You are the captain of your financial ship. You are in control of your financial sovereignty. And please enjoy this episode with Chain Link God. I mean, that's just cool. I mean, that's exciting. I'm excited. This excites and this excites me. This, this it does. All right, episode 17 of the Various Numerous podcast. Today's guest is at Chain Link God on Twitter. He uh, has uh, quite. He's got almost 10,000 followers, I think, on Twitter. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but he has, uh, I asked, uh, you know, my followers on Twitter who I thought should come on and talk about Chainlink uh, as I'm newer, a few months old to the space, and he got a lot of requests to come on the show. So welcome to the show today, sir. Hello. Thanks for having me on. Happy to be here. Yeah. Um, so let's just get right into it. Uh, you wanted to stay anonymous today. Obviously, I understand that. We're in crypto, so um, no problem with that. Uh, when did you get interested in cryptocurrency? So I've always just kind of like knew about Bitcoin and crypto in general for like a long time now, but it wasn't until like early 2018 that I got into like GPU mining. You know, you run a program on your computer and money pops out and it's like, oh wow, that's great. But I wanted to know like, how does that actually happen? What does this do? And so I ended up like digging into it and I got really into Ethereum and like the, the precursor to DeFi at the time, which didn't really have a name, but like there were some applications here and there. And eventually I was just kind of like thinking about how these contracts could actually be useful. You know, basically the Oracle problem before I knew what the Oracle problem was. And then eventually I just came upon Chainlink and I, I researched everything that was publicly available at the time, which really was not that much, but it, it seemed obvious that Chainlink was the clear winner at the time. And yeah, I, I think that this space is just going to be massive and I'm glad I came in at the time I did. Earlier would have been better, but you know, I'm, I'm glad I came in when I did. When did you get in uh, Chainlink? That was about like mid 2018. Okay. So it was like just before they launched the Chain.link website. That was like a week after I heard about it. it like, the, the project actually launched in 2018, right? It, the ICO was in 2017, okay. but then the mainnet was in 2019 in May. Yeah, it kind of flew underneath my radar. I've, I've written a couple short books about uh, blockchain, and um, it's hard to uh, keep up with everything that's going on in the space, you know, all the time. And I, I don't know, I just, I missed it. And then the one thing that I will say kind of threw me off is there was a lot of token. There's a lot of tokens. We'll get into that in a little bit, but um yeah, I see a ton of value in Chainlink myself too. And I was writing in my first book about interoperability. And I think this is, I think that's the main, like, that's what we've been missing. And this, to me, this is what solves it. I think Chainlink is going to solve or is solving that problem right now. So um, I'm, I'm super excited and I haven't seen any uh, community like since Bitcoin, in my opinion, that it's as passionate as the Chainlink community. So I wanted to have somebody on that knows a lot about it. So I, pres I appreciate you coming on. 
Yeah, absolutely. The Chainlink community is a unique beast. <laughs> it is. I, I'm still trying to catch up with all the uh, what's going on exactly with the uh, the, the lingo and <laughs> all of that stuff. But uh, yeah, they have they there. Nobody memes as good as uh, the Chainlink community either. Yeah, we definitely have like our own culture, our own language, and just how we communicate. I take it for granted, but when I look at other communities, it's like, oh, people don't communicate in memes? Like, why not? It's it's great. Yeah, and, and another thing is, like, uh, other projects like Bitcoin have become kind of toxic, you know, some of the people, and I just don't feel like, I don't know, I don't feel that sort of vibe around Chainlink right now, so it's kind of cool to come, it's refreshing. So did you have, have you, like, studied economics? Do you have, like, an economics background, or what brought you, like, into crypto in, in the beginning? So I come from more like a computer science type background. So like, that's what really got me into it, like a new age of computing. And I didn't really know shit, to be honest, about economics. I don't know if I can care, sorry, but um, I didn't really know much about tokenomics or economics or really any of that. And so that's something I had to like dig into and discover why any of this has any value at all. And specifically chain link, since it's not like trying to be a store of value like Bitcoin, it's trying to be like almost revenue generating. And so that was something I definitely had to look into. I was not privy to that in the beginning. Are there any specific books or what, what, where did you go to find the answers? Honestly, just like talking to people, asking questions and just digging around and seeing what I could find uh, on the internet. Because a lot of people, they've like created aggregations like papers and just documents of breadcrumbs that they found. And that's just the kind of stuff I had to, uh, well, I wanted to dig into and, you know, go across all these different sources all over the internet to find out what is actually driving this. Right. Um, so let's, let's get more into Chainlink here. Uh, I just wanted to get a little backstory on yourself. Uh, I, I don't know a ton about you since, you know, you're anonymous. So I was just curious, like, you know, <laughs> where you're coming from. So uh, how did you first hear, what, what was it like? When, when did you first hear about Chainlink exactly? Like, do you remember where you were or anything like that? Yeah, it was actually pretty interesting. I, I used to browse Reddit or such cryptocurrency for my crypto news, but I was getting really tired of it. There was just terrible takes and honestly, I did not enjoy it. And so I was like trying to find out if there's any other communities out there. And I eventually came upon Biz, which is the business and finance board on 4chan. And like one of the first threads that I read on there was basically a 17 page document digging into everything about Chainlink. Like that was the maximum link pill I could have gotten at the time. And it was just right there. You know, it, it, it amazes me how things work out that the way that it did. And, you know, it, it's almost like it was handed to me on a silver platter, but ultimately it was still my choice to dig into it and actually choose to, look into what Chainlink's actually doing. And so it was, it was really 4chan that I have to thank that um, helped me along this mission of finding what Chainlink is and what it does. What was the first, uh, what were your first, like, um, you know, what was that light bulb moment like for you? Like um, when you realized that this is, you know, going to, going to, going to, you know, make, just connect everything that we need to be connected. You know, I'll get more into the Oracle and all that stuff, but what was that? Was there a certain moment? Like I remember my moment with Bitcoin was just like when I read the white paper, I, and then I, you know, I was at the same time, I had like a double barrel conversion of Austrian economics and I, the two came together. Like almost, it was like, 
it was an unbelievable time for me. Uh, you know, and then you go down down the rabbit hole. Was that the, did you have that sort of feeling feeling when you first looked at it, or did you like come back to it after a little bit, or how what was that like? No, it definitely clicks. Like you know, there's a moment where it's like, oh shit, this this all makes sense now. Like it was originally when I was reading that paper and it was going over like some of the companies that Chainlinks worked with officially or unofficially, and it's like it really gave a big picture view of how Chainlink solves not just the connectivity problem but like the privacy and the scalability and like all the other buzzwords like Chainlink is that final piece that makes smart contracts actually useful for all the use cases I thought they would be used for but haven't been so it really did click when I originally read that paper but then it was really when I read the white paper that I actually understood like how they were actually going to achieve this and then digging into the team and it's like all right these people actually know what they're doing I need to know more about this. And so it w- it was like that initial, oh shit, there it is, a moment. It was, I think everybody in the Chainlink community has some kind of moment like that. Right. Yeah. When you listen to Sergey, how do you say his last name? Nazarov? Yeah, Nazarov. When you listen to Sergey Nazarov talk, um, I listened to a couple of his speeches in the last week and you just know that he knows what he's talking about and he's, he's thought this through, um, which you know, a lot of, a lot of blockchain projects don't even have that guy that they put out to like, uh, whatever, be the spokesman or the CEO or whatever you want to call it, the corporation of the, you know, the, the, the commander of the ship. So when you see one of these guys go out, it's in, you know, he's, it's like, he is in complete command. I think he has like this vision that he's just executing as far as I can tell. Um, so let's just, let's talk about this, like, um, let's break this down for, for people that have no idea what Chainlink is. What, what is an Oracle? Uh, let's just get right into it. What is an Oracle? Okay, so starting with the Oracle problem, smart contracts on platforms like Ethereum or really any other blockchain, they can't connect to external data sources. So they know about transaction data, like I sent a token to you, you sent it to me, or I bought an ICO token, because that's already all on chain. But if I want to know like what the price of Apple stock is, or if I want to know if uh, like it was raining in California or the price of a barrel of oil, the blockchain doesn't know that. And so somebody has to specifically give an input saying, this is what the price is. This is what you need to execute the contract. And Chainlink is effectively a way of delivering that data in the same decentralized manner as smart contracts themselves actually run. Because oracles are what ultimately decide what happens in a contract like it decides what actions it takes who gets paid out what actually happens and so if you have a terrible oracle mechanism the entire contract's going to be terrible so you need to make sure that the data inputs given by the oracle is actually reliable and oracles are honestly like way more than just data inputs you can really think of them as like an external agent who acts on the behalf of smart contracts like smart contracts, the code itself is everything on-chain, but then the oracles is everything off-chain. And that could be data sources, or that could be e-signatures, that could be Internet of Things devices, that could be, you know, payment rails like Swift, uh, MasterCard, Visa, it could be any of that, anything in the external world, enterprise backend database. I could just keep going. Like, it's all of that. And so Chainlink helps connect all those external resources that run our world connected to the new smart contract and automated world that we're building today. That's an excellent, excellent explanation. 
where do you, where would you say the, okay, so you sort of got into it, but what are the shortcomings of it? Like, uh, just, to, you know, everybody wants to just have a token today. Uh, tokenization is, is huge. Uh, you know, people think that that's all you need to do. And, um, not a lot of people have even tried to tackle the Oracle problem. So what would you, what would you say that the major shortcomings of centralized oracles would be? And what, um, what, what sort of increased breadth in um, value do you see from decentralized oracles and what Chainlink is doing? Sure. Uh, centralized oracles seems like an obvious solution in the beginning. You know, you just have some server somewhere delivering data, but then you realize that that's a single point of failure. If you can shut down that Oracle, you shut down the entire contract and it defeats the purpose of even using a decentralized smart contract in the first place. So you really want something that's ultimately as reliable and secure as the contract itself. So you want that same, you want those same properties as uh, smart contracts themselves and Chainlink ultimately will absorb most of the value of smart contracts since the on-chain code is just one portion, but what actually triggers the contract is incredibly important. And eventually, with things like Arbitrium and rollups and whatnot, you can run the entire contract off-chain and just use the blockchain as a dispute mechanism. So really, Chainlink will be absorbing most of that value, and really, the link token itself will be acting as that like universal collateral. And so you kind of like mentioned it, but a lot of what blockchain is, is just tokenization, moving tokens around. And that was like the whole ICO boom. But like any kind of financial contract is going to need some kind of external resource. Over 90% of DeFi requires oracles. That's just a fundamental requirement. So if we're going to want this to run the global economy, then we're going to need some kind of oracle mechanism that is incredibly secure and scalable, but also has the value and effectively the economic bandwidth to even support all these contracts. So Chainlink is really the only one who's made the moves necessary to initiate this new generation of externally aware smart contracts. So is it the, is it the, okay, so why is it so much more reliable in your opinion? Um, than the the legacy system, you know, uh, in qu figure quotations, uh, to do it like this. The way I understand it, you know, um, Sergey, I think it was Sergey was talking like insurance, and you kind of talked about it with like, what if you know today it's so easy for a company to just opt out of, you know, like they're not going to pay you, like you know. So is is that is that you know is it the is it all of the partnerships or it, can you explain a little bit more of like how how the Oracle executes like um, with external data, how, how it all comes together. Sure. Like a little bit more about how Chainlink itself like works from like a technical perspective. Yeah. And how the partnerships come in into that. Yeah, sure. So Chainlink, they started as a centralized Oracle service where really it was smartcontract.com, but they knew, you know, decentralization was always the goal. And so they started building out Chainlink and they built it as like a really generalized framework so that any project could use it in any manner that they need for their oracles. Uh, sorry, I just kind of like lost my train of thought. My cat was annoying me. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so with Chainlink, 
I'm sorry. Can you ask that question again? Oh yeah, uh, I was just wondering if you could explain a little bit more about like how how the um, how the partnerships come into play with like the overall just you know use of the oracle and or decentralized oracles and kind of their role in that. Gotcha. So like, there's multiple different aspects. There's the node operators themselves who are fetching the data, and then there's the data sources themselves. And you can kind of think of those as partners, like. Uh, Brave New Coin or Coin Market Cap or Coin Gecko, like those are the exchange. Those are the data aggregators that pull from many different exchanges, and those are like mutualistic with the node operators. As you know, the data sources are making money from the data sources, and the node operators are making money from selling those data sources. And so it's kind of like mutualistic relationship there. And then the whole other side of the spectrum are all the businesses who would be using Chainlink as some mechanism to automate backend processes. So whether that's something like SWIFT, where you can use it to connect their global payments initiative to you know, different, what they call trade ecosystems, different blockchains and whatnot. And other companies like Microsoft or DocuSign that connect their, uh, their, their, off, their offerings, like their services, e-signatures or cloud, uh, cloud services like Google Cloud, mm-hmm. they're selling their services to smart contracts through the Chainlink network. And so Chainlink is really beneficial for them as well. So not only can they use Chainlink to automate their backend processes and their, you know, their agreements with their partners, but they can also use it to sell their data to smart contracts. So it's like a double whammy. They make money from it and they save money from it. So it's really beneficial for everybody who's involved. And as Chainlink grows and it gets a a greater network effect, Mm -hmm. then it becomes more beneficial for all the partners who are involved. I see. Okay. So what do you have to say to people that ask about the token itself? Um, you sort of, you mentioned it a little bit, could you, but, but could you go into a little bit more about the token? Cause I had somebody say, well, why does Chainlink need a token? And I, you know, I, I want to get your response for, for that. Yeah. So like a lot of people just ask like, Oh, why can't you use ETH? And mm-hmm. theoretically you could, but you would lose out on so much. The token is really needed for like, isolation of economic bandwidth. So if Ethereum nodes become malicious and the price of ETH crashes from that, Chainlink, which is a blockchain agnostic Oracle network, shouldn't be affected by that. It needs its own token to have its own economic bandwidth that's isolated from any kind of external factors that are unrelated. And as the token gets staked and it gets bought up, the price of it rises, which increases the economic bandwidth. So the token actually helps scale the Chainlink network. And kind of along those lines, the token is also used to subsidize Oracle nodes in the early days of the network so that running a node is actually economically feasible. You know, if you were using ETH, somebody would have to pay out for that. But with Link, they could just use the 35% allocation that's going towards the node operators. And so kind of along those lines, people ask if you could just use a stable coin, but stable coins either rely upon a custodial actor holding fiat in a bank account so they can mm-hmm. censor you, they can blacklist you, whatever, or it relies upon an Oracle mechanism and an Oracle mechanism relying upon an Oracle mechanism is just <laughs> self-referential and that's right. not any good for anyone. And so and another part of it is that it's blockchain agnostic. So you need some kind of token that could be transferred across blockchains and used on blockchains that don't even have a native coin, you know, like Quorum or Hyperledger. So you really need something that's as malleable and as independent as possible so that Chainlink can have its own self-sovereign security and it's not competing against ETH proof of stake or anything else for economic bandwidth. It has its own 
specified in its own isolated bandwidth. And I keep referring to that, but that's because the link token, you're going to use that as collateral, as a node operator. Mm -hmm. And if you're malicious, then it gets staked and it gets, you know, or it gets slashed and it's gone. So that's a lot of where the economic bandwidth comes from. There needs to be enough collateral to support all these jobs. And the chain link token, the valuation of it scales as the adoption scales. So it's, it's chain link really wouldn't work without the link token. It would be completely crippled and nobody would be using it. Yeah, you just that you cleared that up a lot for me just now. I mean, I thought I had a good idea, but that made it a lot. Yeah, you just uh, you made it a lot clearer to me. What do you think about um, the total supply? The total supply is one billion. Am I right? Yeah. And right now, there's I, I looked before we got on today. Uh, there's three hundred and sixty-four million four hundred nine thousand five hundred sixty-eight point eight eight in circulation right now. When we got on today, what do you think about the token economics? Um, and such. Yeah, so I can just kind of go over like how the supply works. 35% of it was sold in the ICO in 2017. 35% will be going to node operators as like an incentive bootstrapping the network. And then 30% of it went to Smart Contract Limited, the company developing Chainlink. And so they've kind of set it up where the company doesn't need to take fees. The oracles are subsidized and it's also been distributed among many uh, stakeholders and many different uh, node operators and companies who are going to use it. And so the token, the token circulation really, you know, a lot of people fought it saying like the company owns 65%, but really most of that's not for them. Um, the token really, the, the, the circulation of it, uh, the demand is always going to end up being higher than the supply because requesters are going to need link to pay for jobs. Node operators are going to need Link to stake and put it up as collateral. And retail is going to be buying Link uh, just to stake it and make passive income. So there's going to be huge different avenues of demand. And there's just not going to be that much selling supply because if you can make passive income, why would you need to sell it at all? You would just want to keep on accumulating it so you can serve more jobs and make more income. So ultimately, as the adoption of the network rises, and really that's what it's dependent on, then the token itself will do, well, I can't guarantee it, but it's going to do quite fine as the adoption rises. And so it's, it's all intertwined with each other. Do you know when we should reach uh, that total supply, the finite supply of 1 billion? Is that, is that a long way off? Is it like Bitcoin where we'll, we'll probably never see it or might be really old men by then? Or um, what, what's, the, what's that schedule like? That's one thing I don't, I'm not real uh, keen on is the emission schedule. Yeah, so there's not really a set and emission schedule. The 35% allocation to node operators, that's going to become important you know, when staking comes because right now that hasn't actually been touched yet. That's still in the same original wallet. Mm -hmm. it, most of the subsidies have come from the company's holdings. And so there's no set schedule, but ultimately as more and more node operators lock up and stake link, there's going to be so much link taken off the market. So even the link entering the market through these subsidies and selling OTC most of that's going to be soaked up by the nodes. And so ultimately the supply is still going to be incredibly scarce, but uh, as staking and all that comes out there, there's going to be like, there's going to be like some kind of system where it'll be explained how you run a node and how you actually make that link is, and that's effectively going to be the emission schedule is the link being paid and subsidized to the oracles running the reference networks. So are there people like you and I around the world mining chain link then? 
it's not really mining. It's more like you're running a node and you're getting paid for those services. And right now, Chainlink is paying a lot for those services. But in a way, you could say you're mining data inputs. Right. But no, like, built-in block reward. The block reward is effectively whatever people pay you for that services. And the subsidy from Chainlink is effectively acting as that block reward to help bootstrap the network. So they pay all of their employees. Um, what, what it sounds like is the majority of that money was made when they were still a centralized Oracle. Is it my, am I getting that right? Or? Oh, I'm, I'm sure they made a lot of money there, but a lot of the money that they raised was from the ICO, the, the 32 million. Right. Okay. That, that's a lot of where their runway comes from, okay. from the company itself. All right. So um, what, let's get into the juicy stuff. When staking. <laughs> <laughs> Cause that's, that's something I hear a lot about on Twitter. Um, if, if I'm telling you, if, if the, if the, uh, if the link Marines, they're called link Marines for people that don't know if they weren't so, uh, all, I mean, they are just like so passionate, man. I finally broke down one day and I was like, all right, what is chain link? And I started getting into it. So what is, when is staking? When are they going to stake? So there's no set schedule on it because the team, they practice like agile development. So they, they move as they need to move as the market moves. And I don't really think that we need staking right now. There's a lot of other developments that are being worked on, like threshold signatures and the prepaid aggregator. And there's, there's different avenues that they're working on. Staking will ultimately become more important once there's more volume and there's more value blocked up under the consuming contracts that use Chainlink Oracle Networks. So I think personally, and I can't speak you know, from the team's perspective or anything, I think it would come maybe early next year. That would be my guess. Mm -hmm. But ultimately, they're not going to rush this. And they're going to make sure that this is as polished and as refined as possible because they only have one chance to get this right. And they're not going to fuck it up. They're going to make sure that they do it in the correct manner. Yeah, that's uh, what I can tell from only being around in this community for two or three months now is that um, they're not in a rush to like make those sort of mistakes. So that's another thing that I think... Chainlink has going for it. Uh, another another question from uh, Crypto Twitter. Uh, I'll share this real quick. It's kind of it's uh, hold on one second here. It's it's a bit humorous that um, uh, let me get this over here. Sorry. <laughs> no worries. We got we got quite the. Uh, can you see my screen? Yeah. We got quite the response when I was talking about having you on. So there was quite a few questions in this um, in this thing, and I picked out a couple 164 likes and 24 retweets. People really want to hear what you have to say. So um, let's go back. All right. What uh, this person wants to know: What are the most promising inter integrations on your radar, and what do you think Chainlink uh, Chainlink needs to improve? So I think that the most like interesting integrations so far have been derivatives and money markets. So like really that's DeFi as a whole, like that's their first major push. And so one of my favorite integrations is synthetics. Uh, it's a like derivatives platform where you can purchase synthetic assets. And it's interesting because the assets are backed by a giant debt pool. That's like 700% over collateralized and you can switch from synthetic asset to synthetic asset at zero slippage and infinite liquidity. And so that's something that needs oracles to exist because you need to know what price you're being exposed to. And that's, 
that's a crucial piece. If the oracles break there, then the whole system's going to break. And so I think derivatives, which is, you know, a quadrillion dollar market, that's going to become incredibly important as you can automate it on smart contracts. And kind of along those lines is Aave, which is a money market. So borrowing and lending cryptocurrencies, I've used that one a lot. And I think that one's kind of simplistic, but I think it's really interesting how easy it is to use. You know, setting up a wallet isn't necessarily the easiest, but once you do, it's so seamless. You don't need to create any login accounts. You just connect to it. You put up your collateral and you borrow it and you don't need to give up any personal information or any kind of long processes. You can just do it. You can use DeFi anywhere. And I think that's something that Chainlink helps enable. And it's something that's really makes me, uh, really makes me happy to see how many different projects are being built and how many projects can be bootstrapped by just using the Chainlink networks that are offered. Yeah, let's just uh, show it real quick here. Back to the screen share here. Hold on a second. Um, I pulled up, I pulled up the um, partnership list. Boom. I think this is, um, can you see that? Yep. I think this is pretty, uh, somebody posted this today, I think, and I, I screenshot it. Um, but I mean, look at the list. <laughs> it had, it, it, the list is huge. And I mean, Google's on there, Oracle, uh, Maddox, um, just, it's, it's just endless. It seems like, uh, which ones are your favorites? Uh, do you, have you looked through this list pretty extensively? Um, Oh what yeah, do you think? I was there for each partnership. <laughs> oh, yeah, what do you think about that's awesome? What do you think about uh, which? If you had to, pick, let's just do a top three. Top three. Oh, that's hard. Okay, but uh, we can do a top five because we have the time. I would say that I'm not going to give it in any order because that's that's too hard. I think right. that some of the like the some of the best ones are like the consortium. So like IC3 is a consortium of a bunch of different technology companies with academics. So they're bringing, as they say, they're bringing technology written on a whiteboard and they're bringing that into production. And that's something that Chainlink is really crucial. And Ari Jules, who's the co-director of IC3 and is a professor at Cornell University, he helped co-write the Chainlink white paper, the Mixicals white paper. He's done a lot and he understands cryptography and having him on board with Chainlink is incredibly crucial but then Chainlink's also in other consortiums like the EEA, the Enterprise Ethereum Alliance, and Baseline Protocol in Hyperledger Avalon. So they're in all these enterprise consortiums that are bringing Chainlink or uh, data-driven smart contracts powered by Chainlink to production. You know, so the, there's like two avenues. There's all the av- there's all the enterprise projects and all those, and then there's all the DeFi projects. And so. Chainlink is like the interesting bridge where it's bringing both of those into production. And so I'm really excited to see the whole enterprise thing, uh, enterprise side of things, you know, with Google, Oracle, Intel, Swift, like all that. I, I think that's the really interesting part of Chainlink's partnerships. Yeah. Uh, can you, can you talk a little bit about is Swift a new one or is it not? Swift is like kind of an OG uh, smartcontract.com. What went to CBOS, which is like Swift's conference and they were one of the teams that worked with Swift and the banks that run Swift. Mm-hmm. They created a uh, smart contract security bond. And basically they did a proof of concept. This was like, you know, 2016, 2017. They did a proof of concept of how the precursor to Chainlink could be used to create these data-driven smart contracts. And 
they've been very silent, very quiet about it, but they've been working in the background and something that popped up last year was something called Swift GPI Link. So GPI is Swift's like payment initiatives. It's like their whole system that they're gonna um, improve the payment system with the current architecture and GPI links effectively an Oracle that connects that payment system to any distributed ledger. And so uh, Chainlink is the only Oracle solution Swift has worked with and the diagrams and all the explanations they've given is exactly the same exact product as the proof of concept back in 2016, 2017. So I really don't see how it could be anything else but Chainlink, but they're very, they're very quiet about it. You know, they're, they're not going to talk about it until they have something to release. So Swift is like really one of the original things that caught my eye. Very cool. Yeah. I've seen a lot of people talking about Swift and uh, Chainlink too. So I was curious what, what the backstory is there. Um, so what, what, it, okay, let's, let's talk about uh, dApps because I think, you know, just in, on a really basic level, that's, you know, money was the first one, obviously decentralized applications and, you know, Bitcoin and stuff. Um, do, okay. We'll talk about Bitcoin per se. We'll just use Bitcoin as an example here. Uh, even though it doesn't run like there, you can't, you know, a lot of things aren't being built on a top Bitcoin. Uh, that could be argued, but I just don't see it. Um, Ethereum, yes. But what what sort of, does in your opinion, does Chainlink provide any utility to like Bitcoin per se? I think it does. I think Chainlink doesn't compete with any blockchain. And so while Bitcoin doesn't really have smart contract capabilities, they have opcodes, but those are like pre-selected, hard-coded in. Something like Ethereum though, or any other... Uh, like generalized smart contract platform can use Chainlink to trigger Bitcoin payments or trigger Libra payments or Zcash or Ethereum Classic or EOS or, you know, whatever other crypto you want, you can trigger that on any other blockchain. And so if you really want to pay someone in Bitcoin, you know, through the execution of an Ethereum security or Ethereum smart contract or a Polkadot smart contract or Cosmos or whatever, you can trigger that and use a decentralized Oracle network to do that. How hard would that be to, do you know if there's anything like that going on with Bitcoin right now? Uh, if anybody's trying to connect, you know, do that, or um, do you think that's something in the future? Yeah. Uh, a Bitcoin external adapter for Chainlink's actually already been created. So right. you can have an Oracle network fetch data from the Bitcoin network. So you can fetch, did this transaction exist? What block was it at? How much was it? Who did it go to? Who did it come from? And you can get that information and feed it to any other blockchain. So um, I don't remember the specific company name, but there is like a Bitcoin payment company that's using that for their offerings. Yeah. If anybody has a link to that, I would love, to, I would absolutely love, like really love to look at that. So um, I'll put that in the description too. If any of these link Marines know where to find that, uh, shoot me a DM or put it in the, in the comments of the thread on, um, on Twitter, YouTube or something. I'll put it in the description on those if I can. Um, yeah, that's, I, man, I just see so much value in this. I'm like, I'm getting excited. Like I feel like Sergey, you know, I'm starting to have that, 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 that excitement myself. Um, it chain link to me is, you know, like you've touched on it. You've done a good job of breaking this down so far. It, I, I've seen people say they're link maximalist. And like you said, it's not, it's not really, it's not, in my opinion, um, 
I don't, I'm not, I don't believe in maximalism at all, but especially in money because, you know, money is a good, and I've said this on my show a lot, but for the people that haven't heard it, money is a good, and uh, you're going to get the best money or best product or, you know, best good through competition. So I'm not into maximalism. Um, and I just see Chainlink bringing so much value to every single blockchain that is, you know, worthwhile. It's just like, how could you not love what you, what Chainlink's doing? So um, it seems like, it just seems like the potential is just incredibly, you know, it's just vast. It's just, I just can't even, I can't even believe that I, you know, didn't find out about this a little bit sooner. I'm a little disappointed, <laughs> but um, where, where do you see like, um, okay, the future of smart contracts, like, do you think that all, all contracts will eventually be smart contracts? Does, do we need to make smart contracts for everything? Uh, what are your thoughts? I think that a lot of traditional agreements will end up becoming smart contracts or have some kind of interrelated process with smart contracts. And I think even things that don't necessarily have to be a smart contract will end up becoming one just because the network effects is so great. You know, there's so much advantage being able to plug into all these other applications that even if your application doesn't need it, some other application is going to. And that network effect is going to help whatever contract you have get more adopted. So I think as the efficiencies and the, you know, all the costs, savings that smart contracts will offer will just become obvious. And any company who doesn't take that opportunity is just going to go out of business to the competitors who do take that opportunity. So I think that eventually down the line, having your system be chain linked or have some kind of smart contract processing in the background will just end up becoming a business requirement. And if you don't, you're not going to last very long in the business. So I don't really think of it like as so much as like maximalism. I think it more of it like realism. Yeah. Chainlink has those network effects. It has that pull and it's become the industry standard. And I think that as it becomes apparent to people who might not necessarily have dug into all the details that Chainlink will end up becoming as important to oracles as Ethereum is for smart contracts or as Bitcoin is for digital gold. I think it's right. already become that gold standard. Yeah, I agree with you. I think that it'll be, I think it's the premier, uh, you know, middleware Oracle uh, system and that, you know, it'll real. in my opinion, it like kind of slays maximalism. Like how could anyone be a maximalist when you're, you're, it's just like how many apps do you, I know this is a really simplistic, you know, analogy, but how many apps do you use on your phone? Do you just use one application, you know, it, it, or anything like that? It's like how you're, you chain link unlocks so much value and potential, uh, to connect all of, you know, blockchains, but, um, blockchains with external data, internet of things. It's just like, why would you limit yourself? Yeah. A lot of like, not a lot, but like some Ethereum maximalists, they don't really understand the value of Chainlink or why, you know, they get caught up on the token or something. But I think Chainlink is so much more than Ethereum or any one blockchain. It, it connects the entire Web3 space to itself, to other layers in the stack. And so I think that Chainlink is, is one of the crucial pieces to the God protocol and enable this trustless future. I think that's not really maximalism, but that's just something that's kind of inevitable from everything that I've seen. So you, do you view Chainlink as like the linchpin of decentralized finance then? I, effectively, in a way, I think of it like uh, throwing a bucket of fuel on a fire. 
you know, it just accelerates things. It makes things come to production faster. It makes applications more secure. I think eventually as time goes on that using chip will just be assumed, just like using Ethereum is just kind of assumed. Like mm -hmm. if you don't have it, people are going to question the security of your application. It's just not going to take off as much. I think Chainlink just becomes the de default solution for any uh, smart contract or DApp system. Where is the best place, in your opinion, to go to find out about like these nuggets that you're dropping on here today? Like, where where do you go to get? Is there one particular spot today that you go to find out these things? So there, there's there's not really like a single place. A lot of it is just the following I have, and just like everybody in the Chainlink space that I follow everybody in the Ethereum space that I follow, all the different articles people post, like you kind of have to have an idea of what to look for. Like I've been researching a lot into rollups and whatnot. And that when I started had really nothing to do with Chainlink. Now that Chainlink's working with Abitrium and they're working with Loopering, now Chainlink's evolved with both ZK rollups and optimistic rollups. And so you just kind of have to like know where things are moving and just kind of divert your research attention to whatever you think is going to be the next big thing in the space. So you just kind of have to like keep it, keep an ear to the ground and just see what other people are saying. What are the biggest things that you would say that we're on the cusp of, uh, or chain links on the cusp of, uh, for the rest of this year and, you know, in the next, you know, the, the, the foreseeable roadmap, like things that you've, you've heard, uh, whispers about or what things like that. I think that insurance is going to be a big one. We've already seen like a lot of uh, other GFI applications, money markets and derivatives, and those will end up becoming much bigger, much more used. But I also think that something that Sturdy brings up is fraud-proof gaming. So you can use Chainlink to create really secure random number generation. You can create an ultra-secure lottery or some kind of, uh, any kind of game application, and with using the scalability of their two systems, users won't even know that they're using the blockchain. So you combine everything from like meta transactions to rollups to oracles to Ethereum composability, E2, you just combine all of that and it become, it creates an application that's stronger. The, the sum is greater than its parts. So I think that some of the greatest things that Chainlink will end up being used for, we can't even think of right now. You know, it's like trying to imagine what the internet will be used for in the 90s. You know, could we have imagined Uber or Tinder or, you know, any of these other websites and services we use on a daily basis? It'd be kind of hard to imagine, you know, in 20 years, how much things are going to change. I think in, you know, in 20, 30 years, people think like, how did we even do this without Chainlink or smart contracts? Like, it just becomes so ingrained into every application and every services every service that we use that we don't even think about. So I think the short term, we're going to see a lot of unique use cases, but as time goes on, we're just going to see so many different cool applications that we won't even be able to catch up. We won't even be able to pay attention to them all. Yeah. I really, I really thought interoperability and uh, I was, I was thinking about a lot of this stuff for years now and I didn't really even understand exactly how to get there. I don't think a lot of people did. And then you still see people that are like completely stuck in like their own, you know, the, the resilience or the um, reluctance to even look at other projects. Um, I think yeah. Chainlink's going to be like that, that uh, vessel that brings us all together and I, I hope it is because I, I'm just so sick of seeing max maximalism, honestly. 
Uh, I don't I think, like think of it as like uh, the Bitcoin mass movement, like the dinosaurs, and then Chainlink <laughs> is like the meteor that comes down and just completely changes everything. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm still a Bitcoin guy to the core, no pun intended, but uh, I, I, I view Chainlink, it's right there. I mean, it's, it's, it, I think it should be in the top five, and I really think that it could be in the next few years. I don't see why it wouldn't be. Um, I think really Bitcoin, to me, it's like Bitcoin, chain link and then i'm interested in uh epic cash and like Mimblewimble projects um and things to provide privacy so like if you give me those and then maybe like ethereum for like um dApps and things like that things if if it ends up being the one but or, or something like ethereum um i know a lot of people are interested in tezos i'm not i haven't done a ton of research into tezos myself but um is there is there a smart contract is there is there a platform that you prefer is it ethereum or do you like tezos or what do you think about that so i think that ethereum they have the first moves advantage mm-hmm. but they have a huge community of building blocks and applications so if you want to create a new defi application and you need a stable coin or a money market or some kind of other mechanism, these other smart contract blockchains just don't have that. You know, you have to create all these tools from scratch. You have to create your own developer tools. You have to get your own users. You have to get, you know, all of these tools that Ethereum just offers you. So I think Ethereum has those huge network effects and come E2 that this will actually be able to use at scale. But Beyond that, I think that there's other interesting blockchains out there as well. Like I'm not necessarily an Ethereum maximus. I think Polkadot's doing interesting things. Cosmos is doing interesting things. They're taking different approaches to how blockchains can intercommunicate. And so while they may not become as huge as Ethereum, I think they do have their niche. And I think that there will be, you know, like the privacy blockchains you mentioned, I think there'll, there'll be specific app chains for specific applications that don't necessarily need the composability or the maximum security and decentralization of Ethereum, but are still connected to Ethereum as like a hub so they can connect to everything else. So I think ultimately it does come back to Ethereum, but there will definitely be other blockchains and you know, other permission chains that businesses want to use like Hyperledger and Quorum and Corda and all these other uh, enterprise blockchains. But I think that it'll be interesting to see where in each niche uh, lays. Yeah, I hadn't really done a ton of thinking about this before we got on here, but I'm also thinking about like in the case of um, Mimblewimble projects where how much utility also there that Chainlink could, can provide just on smart contracts and um, being that being that go between with privacy and, you know, remaining anonymous. It's just like I really just think the value is endless. It's like I just can't believe uh you know, people, I, I do see more and more people posting about Chainlink and obviously the market is starting to figure it out with the price. Um, what do you, what are your thoughts? What are your thoughts on like, uh, busting into the top 10 and, um, like, uh, what's the ceiling in 2020 in your opinion? And like, why, why isn't it in the top 10 yet? <laughs> well, when I first, when I first got in, like it was a rank, like 127, like it was a literal who, People compared it to all these other projects. Now it's made its way up to number 11, but I, I still don't think that that's anywhere near where it should be. I think it should be easily in the top three. Is Chainlink worth more than XRP, EOS, Bitcoin, SV, you know, Tron? I think 100%. <laughs> you know, it gets way yeah. more use, has much more use case. So I think 
eventually it's inevitable, but I think that there will be certain catalysts that will happen that will end up pushing Chainlink up there. Like I can't necessarily speculate too much on the price because I don't really know where that's going to go, but I can say that it is undervalued from a fundamental perspective. And I think that making its way up to the top five or top three is just inevitable. And whether that's this year or the next couple of years, I'm going to be in this in the long run. So I'm going to see it regardless. Yeah. What are your, um, price targets what what do you what are you thinking i mean uh, not to you know this isn't financial advice i, I never give fa- financial advice in anything i write on my site at briar.io or on this podcast the various and numerous podcasts but it is fun to speculate on price just for fun um i sort of see like a 20 to 30 dollar valuation um i could see that i could see 20 dollars happening by the end of this year maybe even if things get crazy but it maybe you know i'm thinking maybe by the end of 2021. I sort of see when that, I I sort of see that as like the timetable for this bull market that we're in. And we started in this uh, bull market, February 8th, in my opinion of 2019, I think it'll probably conclude right before 2022 begins or in that, in that area, give or take a couple months. What, where do you think we'll be, uh, let's just say heading into 2022 just for fun. So I think that like the market as a whole is becoming more bullish. We have the uh, Bitcoin happening. We have ETH2. We have all these applications coming to production. So I'm not entirely sure like exactly where it'll be, but I think that being in the hundreds to thousands of dollars is eventually inevitable to have enough bandwidth to support what Chainlink is going to end up being powered. Like I would love it if Chainlink, you know, just went to the moon and became a million dollars, but you know, we want to stay stay realistic. And I think that with a couple of years, anywhere from, I don't know, 20, 100, a thousand, you know, that's such a broad range, but like there's, there's so many variables and there's so many facts to it that that I think what it's really dependent upon is the adoption. And if the growth continues as we've seen, I think that the the token itself will discontinue. If if you look at the link to BTC chart, Mm -hmm. its pattern is just obvious. It's parabolic. And I don't, that that's going to stop anytime soon. It'll have its ups, it'll have its downs. It may go way lower than we think, but it'll make a way higher than we think. It may take longer than we think, but when it does happen, it'll happen faster than we think. So there, there's just so many variables to it. Ultimately, what I could say is that I'm 99% link and I'm probably going to stay that way for a while. 99%. This guy is not messing around. He loves his chain link. <laughs> um, yeah, and I think that's a good answer. You didn't, you, I, I couldn't get you to give me a, a price, but I'm going to stick with mine around. Uh, I think I, we could see $40. I think that would be pretty, I think that's a pretty realistic. Uh, I did a little math on that and uh, I looked at how much would, took a few things into consideration, how much money it would take to pump that much or how, what the market cap would have to be to get that valuation per token. And then I looked at what Ethereum was able to do um, the last time. And then I obviously looked at the supply, uh, you know, being um, uh, 200 and or I think uh, 200 million more, uh, a little bit more, give or take 200 million uh, tokens more than Ethereum. I think that I think that's somewhere in we could see even maybe like fifty dollars somewhere in that I'm, I'm gonna go around there forty to forty to sixty I know that's kind of a widespread considering it's three dollars right now or three seventy uh, three eighty actually uh, I always like to talk about this too for posterity I'll screenshot one more time here um, 
the uh, the price and stuff for posterity. Uh, f- today is uh, April twenty third. Thursday, April 23rd, 2020, and it's been a great day for the overall cryptocurrency market. Bitcoin's up 5.76%, uh, 7,525, Ethereum up 3.62, 188.83, and Chainlink on this one is number 12, but on CoinMarketCap, I think it's 11th, uh, as you noted, up 4.63%, $3.81. So this I think we're going to look back at this podcast here in um, even even six months. I think we're going to be like, "Wow, Chainlink was so cheap." I could see it. Be, I could see us, you know, being over fifteen dollars in the next six months. I mean, this is all speculation, but I have a feeling. I just have this instinct. Uh, I, I guess you could call it that. This thing is really about to explode. Um, do you have that sort of feeling from just? Uh, you've been in the space longer than me, but. Do you have that sort of feeling still? It seems like you do, but like, do you see? Do you feel like, uh, you know, with crypto Twitter and social media right now, that people are really starting to pile in? Yeah, I've seen people who think they've already missed the boat. You know, they they look at the chart and goes like, ah, I'm not going to buy the top, but they don't realize that <laughs> it keeps on making higher lows and higher highs. And I think that if you're in this in the long run, then it really doesn't matter when you buy in. You're going to do good regardless as the Chainlink network does. So I think ultimately people should pay less attention to like what a community is like or like what people think the speculative value is. I think they should just focus like on the fundamentals. Right. Is it being adopted? Is it being used? Is it doing something useful? I think if people focused on that, then they really would see that link is definitely worth more than the trends and the BSVs of the world. I think that it's really not necessarily inevitable, but I think that it has so much more to grow as we've only seen a tiny minuscule fraction of what Chainlink can actually do. I think as that grows and becomes larger and grows into all these other use cases and capabilities that people are going to realize that how undervalued Link really is for what it's going to be used for. So I think its growth is really just inevitable, basically. Yeah, what was it like when, I don't know the date or anything like that of when the Google uh, partnership was announced. Did the price pump, like, how much does the price pump on news with Chainlink? So usually like it doesn't react too much, but Google is definitely like a specific event. Remember what prices it was like a dollar, $2. And then it went up to like five almost and came back down, of course. Okay. But so that was in the last, that was in the last like 65, 70 days then, right? That was about a year ago. Oh, okay. I thought you were talking about when it hit the all time high of four ninety eight. I thought that that it, happened in the last 60 days or r- roughly. I think it, but it hit like about almost $5 during like last June and then oh, okay. went down like two, two, three dollars and then it's, it's trended back up then. Okay. But I think like news isn't that correlated. You know, we see something major and the price dumps and then we see something great or we see something great and the price dumps and then we see something terrible and then the coin pumps, you know, I don't think news really has to do with the price, unfortunately. And that's just, it's kind of like all speculation narratives. And so it, we have a strong narrative. That's really what people care about, regardless of what's actually in the news or not. Yeah, I agree with you. What else? Uh, wrapping up here, what else would you would you like to mention? Do you have anything on your own? Any ideas that you uh, we didn't get over co- uh, cover here um, that you want to talk about? So basically, Chainlink has a lot in the works. We have threshold signatures, so 
no responses into a single transaction. We have mixicals where uh, financial contracts can be kept private. We have town crier and trust execution environments. So you could, so nodes can't even see the data that they're processing. We have the prepaid aggregator and the flux monitor to get rid of request transactions. We have such in the works that is still to come out. And I think people should, they're thinking about oracles to just price feeds. I think that's like thinking the internet is just going to be used for email. It's such like a, a short sighted view. And I think that they should look into how Chainlink or how oracles more accurately can be used to be the other half of a smart contract. So basically my advice for anyone listening is to do some due diligence on oracles, dig into it, see what it could do, read what the developers have been saying they need and why they chose Chainlink and see how chain better than the, or the other solutions on the market. Now don't just take my word for it, go out and do the research and see what it says because I take what most people say with a grain of salt. And so I want people to take what I say with a grain of salt because that just seems, that seems the most fair to me. Right. Knowledge is, is value. And like you're saying, um, to paraphrase what you just said, invest in your human capital. Uh, don't take anyone else's, I, I'm a big advocate of that as well. Don't take anyone else's, um, you know, advice really in anything. <laughs> I, I think that's a good, I think that's a good life, uh, overall life, um, uh, just advice too, just not in crypto, but just go out and research things for yourself. Don't take anyone else's uh, advice. Um, and especially your financials, uh, people will take advantage of you. If you just let them, you know, lead you, they can lead you astray pretty quickly. Uh, are there any links? That, uh, I'd like to have you on again, if you want to do it again sometime here in a few months and we'll talk about uh, the, the things that have happened in that span. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, this is fun. I learned a lot uh, today. Uh, are there any links that you want to plug? I'm going to put your uh, Twitter handle in the um, in the corner of this video, but anything else that you want to shout out or any anywhere you want to send people to learn more about Link? So I would say uh, taking a read of both my articles and the Crypto Oracles articles on Medium are some great resources to get that like first deep dive and that first reference. And a good resource that is surprisingly good is the chain.link website. You know, a lot of crypto websites are really vague about what their project does, but I think the chain.link website is very clear on what Chainlink is and how it's doing it. So like, if you don't know anything about Chainlink, even after this, chain.link website is key. Perfect. Uh, everybody go over there and read his articles. I'm sure they're very insightful. I'm going to check them out myself. I haven't done a deep dive on a lot of the writing yet. I've been trying to, um, you know, just take as much of this stuff in as I can through Sergey and now talking with people like you. So now it's time to start reading more on the, on the stuff, but I appreciate you coming on the show today, sir. I'm sure a lot of people, I've had people messaging me asking me when this was coming out. So hopefully we did, uh, our, uh, you know, did them some justice today and then uh, we can talk again here in a couple months. Yeah. Thanks for having me on, man. It was fun. Absolutely. This will be out, uh, tomorrow. So, uh, I appreciate you coming on. Hang on one second. I'll say goodbye.